This recording is an offering of Networks for Training and Development's online university. I'm Suzanne Erb, and I'd like to discuss a topic that is very near and dear to my heart, namely the significance of involvement of people with disabilities in all aspects of the entire process of product design, whether it be assistive technology or mainstream product in general. The more input people with disabilities have into product design, the more likely they'll be able to use the product with no assistance at all. As a person who's been blind since birth, I often come across products that are essential to daily life that are almost accessible, but don't quite meet the mark. Sometimes, for example, you'll find a product that at first touch might appear to be accessible, but then you realize that the dial, although providing some haptic feedback, has no tactile reference point. Then you realize that there is a touch screen panel where you must interact with a visual product interface. Sometimes manufacturers will add a few audible features, but not enough for true accessibility. If people with disabilities were employed on the original design team, many interface challenges could be avoided, thus eliminating the need for retrofitting or accessibility add-ons after the fact, an expensive solution at best. Fairly recently, I learned that I have type 2 diabetes, and so I will need to add one more skill to my knowledge base. I realized that I would have to learn to monitor my blood glucose levels. Let me say up front that I hate needles of any kind, except for knitting needles, because I enjoy knitting, and I can often be seen with my knitting in my lap. But I'll do anything to avoid needles, particularly finger sticking, which is an activity that is the bane of many people with diabetes. I hate it, but I'll do it. Before continuing any further, I'd like to point out that this is not a medical show in any way, shape, or form. I am not a medical practitioner, and I am not rendering any advice or endorsing any specific product. I am merely describing how I collaborated with some students to produce a possible solution that could enable people to reliably make the blood glucose monitoring process less onerous. The trick is not only do you have to get the right amount of blood from your finger, but you also have to make sure that you get enough blood from the finger onto the test strip in order to ensure an accurate blood glucose reading. Although there are some very good blindness-specific information resources available for people who have diabetes and who are blind, particularly from the American Council of the Blind and the National Federation of the Blind and visionaware.com, even though there is at least one accessible talking glucometer with both audible and tactile feedback, 
and they're easily discernible letters on the buttons for relatively easy identification, that in itself does not address the blood drawing problem. It is necessary to ensure the right amount of blood gets on that test strip. I particularly found bridging the gap living with blindness and diabetes on the National Federation of the Blind website to be particularly helpful. Success stories featuring people who are blind and living with diabetes successfully. It also contains sections ranging from healthy food choices to tips on managing diabetes as a blind person independently and safely. I particularly recommend this not only to people who have diabetes and who are blind, but also to people who may have a friend or relative who is in this situation. Moreover, I encourage healthcare professionals to read this information as well so they can recommend it to their patients. Fortunately, there is a fully accessible talking glucometer available from Prodigy Diabetes Care called Prodigy Voice. In addition to having full audible access to all of the features of the device, there are tactile markings on each button for easy identification. In her article, Talk is Cheap, but Access is Golden, Connie Kleinbeck notes a few criteria you may want to consider when exploring buying a talking glucometer. While the Prodigy Voice developed almost a decade ago, it appears that it is still considered the number one in terms of accessibility and name recognition in the United States. But I still hate needles and I'm still in search of an easier way to ensure that the right amount of blood gets on the test strip. Recently, I've been involved with students in the Biomedical Engineering Department of Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. Each year, seniors in the department have the opportunity to work with outside entities on prototypes of products that solve real-world problems. Since I had already collaborated with students previously on other products, I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to pick the brains of these students to see whether they could develop a device that could solve my problem. Upon speaking with a team of students, they and I decided to collaborate to research and develop a solution to help blind people with diabetes to ensure that once the blood is drawn, that the blood is deposited on the strip to ensure a valid and correct reading. After discussion with the professor, they concluded that due to constraints of time, money, and background knowledge, the product could be constructed that would meet the parameters of ease of use, safety, and budget. The product would consist of a frame for holding the glucometer in position and a finger guide with a magnet to guide the finger towards the strip. They took under consider feedback which I gave them during the development phase of the product and it developed into a product that actually works. There is only one prototype and I have it right here on my desk.
I'm including a link to a video of someone using it in the show notes so that you can see it in action and how it works. At the end of the second semester, the student sent me the result of their labor. When I opened the box, I found a Prodigy voice talking glucometer, a Lancet kit, test strips, and most importantly, the device itself that the students created, the frame that holds the glucometer and the finger guide. The frame and finger guide are small enough to fit comfortably into a bag for portability. It was built to accommodate the shape of the Prodigy voice, and it was not tested with any other glucometer. This was done due to time constraints and because they could not guarantee that it would work with any other product. The frame has a cutout where the Prodigy voice fits snugly. There is a Velcro strap that hugs it so that it remains stationary in the frame. At the bottom of the frame, there is a hole where the test strip will protrude once it has been inserted into the glucometer. To use the frame, unfold the bottom legs of the frame so that it stands up with the lower part of the frame is facing you and the backboard is further away from you. After inserting the test strip into the glucometer, place the glucometer in the frame with the buttons facing you so that you can operate them. After the glucometer has been placed and secured in the frame, you'll notice that the strip protrudes through the circular cutout of the frame and is held in place so that it will not move. Next, put the finger guard around the finger that you intend to lance. To do this, wrap the finger in the Velcro with the metal circle where you will lance your finger so that the pen can go right through the circular hole. After you have lanced your finger, use the magnet that is in the circular hole in the finger guide where you lanced. You'll notice that the finger guard matches the hole in the bottom of the frame that holds the glucometer. Using the magnet to guide you, bring your finger with the blood on it to the test strip. Once you hear the beep letting you know that there is enough blood, leave it there for a second to make sure that the blood has been deposited on the strip correctly. Then you may be more likely to get an accurate reading. Is it perfect all the time? No, but with practice, it does take some practice. It'll work. While it is true that this device is only a prototype and it is not actively being developed for marketing or production, it illustrates what can be done when students and people with lived experience collaborate during all stages of product development from the needs assessment to research and development phases all the way through the marketing phase. Despite time constraints of a senior year, coupled with the impediments of long distance communication and my not being able to see the pictures of the device during development, 
I am amazed at how well the product actually works and applaud the students for their hard work and effort. Imagine what could be accomplished if similar efforts were undertaken in private industry. I am sure that these young graduates will take this knowledge with them as they embark on graduate work and careers. I also would encourage people with disabilities to enter fields of study involving STEM subjects, and I would particularly encourage blind students to enter the field of haptics, which involves the study of touch. You show me a world in which people with disabilities would be hired in project research and design, and I'll show you a world with a far higher rate of employment among people with disabilities. Just my two cents. Until we meet again, this is Suzanne Erb from Networks for Training and Development, signing off. Please be aware that the opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Networks for Training and Develop Incorporated, its funders, and its contractors. Thank you for listening. We hope the information provided was helpful. Don't forget to stop by our website and take advantage of all we have to offer. If you want to be kept informed of upcoming events, subscribe to our channel to be kept up to date on our future programs. Click on the link provided in the description if you wish to receive emails about our upcoming events and offerings. Thank you.